do something that you really didn't want to do? Yes, we have. We all have. Maybe even today. Um, you may have not really wanted to come to church, but we all get asked to do things we don't want to do. So with that in mind, have you ever gave out a list of excuses of why you couldn't do whatever it was that you were asked to do? Uh, whether by God or by someone else? And the answer is yes, we all have. We all have excuses. We all have an excuse that we'll throw out there. And we can excuse or try to get ourselves out of anything. Okay, And so as I was thinking about that, as Pastor Chuck asked me uh, a week ago, four, five, six days ago, whenever it was, to do this Sunday, and, and I read the scripture, um, we're still at the burning bush. The conversation between God and Moses that God initiated uh, from the burning bush is still going on. Matter of fact, we're going to read the entirety of that conversation, so bear with me about that. But thinking about not doing something that you wanted to do, when I was 18, when I graduated high school, I had blown my knee out, because that's what Ellis's do. <laughs> we blow our knees out. But I'd blown my knee out, and so I'd tried to get into the Army. I wanted to go to the Army. My dad was a retired military guy, and I wanted to go to the Army, but they wouldn't take me because I'd blown my knee out. And uh, me and my dad agreed that I was not really college material. And so uh, he, uh, he, he forcefully encouraged me to spread my wings somewhere else other than in his house <laughs> and so he made me leave I had to leave home and so I did the day after I graduated high school I took off for Oklahoma because that's where all my brothers were Mike was in Oklahoma Tom was in Oklahoma and Mark was in Oklahoma my older brothers and uh, so I get out there and the first job I get is on a construction crew on a on a carpentry crew and my dad was a carpenter my papa was a carpenter Mike's a carpenter Mark was a carpenter Tom, not so much, but we had a history of carpentry, and I had a history of being a carpenter's helper. I never was the cut guy. I carried the boards, you know, uh, but I was good at it. I had a good back, and so I did that, but I get this job on this crew. Mark get, gets me the job, and my very first day on the job, we were building uh, low-income housing, like 20 big, huge apartment buildings, and they gave me an air hammer, which I'd never used in my life, and put me up on the second floor of this apartment building to put, I believe they call it bridging. It's the blocks of wood in between the joist. And my job was to nail all of those box, blocks of wood into the joist with this air hammer. And it was huge. It was like that big. So I get all the way up there and I got everything I need. And nobody had ever told me how to use an air hammer. And I complained to the boss about that, but he didn't care. He wanted me up there. So I went up there. I, I made a few excuses, but none of them worked. And so I get up there, and nobody had not only shown me how to use that, but nobody had told me when you're using an air hammer that big and you're shooting 16-penny nails, the air hammer, I was holding it like this, and the air hammer like this, and when you pull the trigger on that air hammer, it's going to move a little bit. It can bounce on you, and it did. I pulled the trigger. It went through the top of this board, straightened out, and then I had a 16-penny nail sticking in my finger. <laughs> yeah, like Bugs Bunny cartoon. And so I climbed down and went across the location to the boss man's trailer, knocked on the door, and he's like, what do you want? And I stuck my finger in there, and he had a few choice words for me. But he took a pair of pliers and pulled that nail out, bandaged my finger up, and put me back to work. I didn't want to do that. And I regretted doing it after I'd been told to do it or asked to do it. Now, when God saved me on Good Friday of 2001, after the dust had kind of settled, so to speak, 
and I was resuming back to normal life because it wasn't normal. Man, I was walking on air. I was so thankful for what God had done for me. But anyway, I had this idea. My whole life, the only thing I ever really wanted to be was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I just wasn't built for it. And I blew my knee out. So there was no chance of that. But the only other thing I really wanted to do was to teach history. I love history. I've told you guys that from the time I was little. I've always loved history, especially American history. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. And so me and God worked this plan out where I was going to finally go to college at UCLA, University of Catlicksburg, Lower Ashland, and, and get my degree and teach college, teach history. Uh, and so, but the problem was, I was still working the street. I was still working uh, for the PD here. And, you know, you really don't have much time to do other things. But uh, lo and behold, a door opened up at the 911 center that I could get a job there as a dispatcher. And it would enable me to have more time to do my study and stuff uh, while I was there at 911. So I didn't want to do it. I made excuses why I didn't want to do it, but I did it. I went and took that job at 911. And don't you know. About 12 or 13 months later, the prettiest girl in the whole county came and applied at 911. Prettiest girl in the whole county came there looking for a job. And uh, that ended up being my Shante. And so I didn't want to do that, but I'm thankful that I did. The point of all that is we all have things that we're asked to do or that we're told to do, and we don't want to do it, and we make excuses. So looking back at last week and finding Moses, we are still at the burning bush, like I said. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, uh, God spoke to Moses and told him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then it says, Moses hid his face. Moses knew who God was. Moses knew who God was. From verse 7 to 9 in chapter 3, God tells Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to the land of milk and honey. And that is the long-promised land of milk and honey. So what God is saying here is, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Things aren't going that good uh, back where your people and my people are in Egypt. And so I'm here to help. And surely at this point, Moses is probably swelling up with a little bit of pride in God. And what God is saying, not just in God, but in what God is saying that he's going to do. Moses has to have some pride swelling up in him. However, this conversation uh, then takes a different direction from what Moses had anticipated. Remember the last verse that Pastor Chuck shared with us last week is verse 10. God says, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Uh-oh. That's not what Moses was expecting. God said he was going to do these things. He was going to do this. And now God's saying, come with me. I'm going to send you to do it. Uh-oh. From Genesis chapter 15 to Genesis chapter 46, verse 3, on eight different occasions, God spoke to these fathers that he's telling Moses about uh, this day when he's speaking from the burning bush. Eight different occasions, he spoke to these fathers that he's telling Moses about in this same type of manner. What do I mean? God told, told Abraham, I am your shield, in chapter 15, verse 1. And that it was he who brought Abraham to this place out of Ur, when he brought him out of Ur. Uh, that's ch chapter 15, verse 7. 
In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, God told Abraham, I am God Almighty. In Genesis chapter 26, 24, God told Isaac, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 13 through 15, God says to Jacob, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and of Isaac. I will give you this land. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. All the families of the earth shall be blessed from your seed. I am with you, and I will keep you. I will not leave you. In Genesis chapter 31, verse 13, God said to Jacob, I am the God of Bethel. Remember Bethel? That was his day of distress. Bethel? He says, I am the God of Bethel. Go out and return to the land of your kindred. In Genesis 35, 11, God tells Jacob, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A company of nations will come from you. And then in Genesis 46, 3, God tells Jacob, I am the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you a great nation. Moses knew who God was. And Mo Moses knew the promises God had made to all of these uh, fathers he was talking about. He knew who God was, and he knew the great things God had done. But here comes what I call excusapalooza. Moses has a long list of excuses of why God shouldn't ask him to be the one to do this. And that's where we start this morning. So, turn your Bible on or open it up to Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to start in verse 11. And I don't want to apologize because it's God word, but God's word, but bear with me because we're going to read several verses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. The same mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me uh, to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and have seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So 
I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Chapter 4. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom, or in your cloak. Uh, And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe either, even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and will teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? And I know, I know he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the sign. That's a lot, right? That's the entirety of the conversation uh, between God and Moses. Now, as we move through this conversation between God and Moses, remember who Moses was. Everything Pastor Chuck has told us over the last couple of weeks. And remember that in the verses before this, God uh, has confronted Moses from the burning bush. That's when it started. We're still there. This is a continuance of that meeting. So God has told Moses, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Here comes the excuses. Excuse number one. In verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And you want me to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God's answer to Moses, I will certainly be with you. You will come back here to this very mountain and worship me. Now, church, how many of us is that excuse? Why me, Lord? You want me to do what? 
uh, you want me to do this? You want me to do that? You're asking me to do this? And, but the saying is true, guys. Uh, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, right? If God calls you to something, no matter how big or how seemingly small it is, if God calls you to something, he will be there with you, just like he told Moses. He will be there with you. Excuse number two in verse 13. How about when I come to them, so this is what Moses is speaking. He says, so how about when I come to them and tell them this, they're going to say to me, what is his name? Then what? Then what do I do? God's answer. We have to remember, God is the one that called this meeting to order. God came to Moses. Moses didn't come to God. He's the one that called this meeting to order. And he told Moses who he was in verse 6 of chapter 3. Moses knew who God was. And God just says, I am who I am. I am who I am. Tell the folks that I am has sent me to you. Now let's think about this for a minute. And remember, when God calls you into service, it's the same God speaking. It is the same exact God that is speaking to Moses right here. When he calls you into service, it is the same God. Who is he? Abba. Here in America, most kids call their father dad. Most people call dad dad. He's just old dad, right? Uh, but in the Middle East, they say Abba. Jesus says that we can call the great God of the universe Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. That's just one name. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Elohim, God our Creator. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our Provider. Jehovah Suri, the Lord our Rock. Psalm chapter 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation. My strong, stronghold. Who is God? Jehovah Suri, the Lord our rock. El Olam, the everlasting God. From before eternity began to the very end and beyond. The everlasting God. Those are just a few of the hundreds of names of God in Scripture. Hundreds of names. Adoniah, our Lord and Master. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God says, I am who I am. I am who I am. And in verse 18, God tells Moses, they'll listen to you. I'm telling you, they'll listen to you. And this will open the door. So he, he's going to the Israelites to speak, to the Jews. And God says, they'll listen to you. And when they listen to you, that'll open the door for you to go to Pharaoh, which is what he told him he was going to do to begin with. That will open the door. Not only, and then tells him uh, in verses 21 and 22 that not only will the Egyptians let them go, but they'll pay for them to leave. It's an all-expense-paid trip that they're going to get to this promised land. The Egyptians will give them the provisions to go. It's a full-paid trip. And God is telling us the same thing. If your excuse number is excuse number two, God is telling you the same thing. All we are called to do is trust and obey. Just like that old song. Trust and obey. For there is no other way. Excuse number three. In chapter four, verse one. And yes, we've made it to chapter four. Moses says, okay, God. But suppose they won't believe me. Or even listen to me. Or even call me a liar. Then what? Then what do I do? God's answer. <laughs> for this excuse, 
God doesn't only tell Moses his response. He gives him a tutorial in verses 2 through 9. Verses 2 through 9 says this. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and became a serpent. Moses fled from him. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached, it, reached out with his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And when he put his hand in his bosom, when he took it out, behold, his land was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take the water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. So in verses 2 through 9, he doesn't just tell him what to say. He gives him a tutorial. If they don't believe you, do this. If they don't believe that, also do this. If they don't believe that and they don't believe what you say, also do this. If that's your excuse number, what if they won't listen to me? Or what if they think I'm lying to them? If that's your excuse number, know this. Only God can do what only God can do. Only, only God can save souls. Nobody in this room can save a soul. We don't have that ability. Only God can do what God can do. We are to leave the supernatural work and wonders to Him. He does the saving of souls. Just as the old, old song says, trust and obey. God doesn't call the equip, necessarily He equips the call. That's excuse number three. Moses has more. Excuse number four in chapter 4 verse 10. And this is a big one in our time, in the world that we live in. Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'll translate that for you. I can't talk right or plain. My words get jumbled. I don't know uh, what to say and wouldn't know how to say it if I didn't know what to say. Um, have you ever heard me talk? That's what he's saying. I'm out. And like the little man, I think he's on the screen there, uh, like the little man said, uh, what did good that I said yonder ago? Amen. You know, that's, 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 why, <laughs> that's how we get. That's our excuse, right? You heard me talk? No way. And I'll share with you. So I was saved, as you know, on Good Friday of 2001. Well, I was in church, and I know I'm talking to the faithful. I'm talking to the church. Every time the doors were open, I came to church. I couldn't wait to get to church. At that time, we didn't have this building. I guess this was probably grass. I'm not sure what it was. But anyway, we had church over there. We didn't have this. And I went to church every time the doors were open. Well, Pastor Rick Frazier was still the pastor here. And some of you guys will remember this. Every winter, Rick Frazier would do a teaching series that he didn't teach. He asked some of the deacons or the men in the church, and he gave them a week. It was on Wednesday nights. This is your night. I want you to do this. Uh, Brian Withers was one of those guys. And... Uh, and I, I actually model that. We do that in youth. We're going through that in youth right now. Uh, but so anyway, and here I was. It was I'd been saved on, in the spring, and here it is winter time. So I hadn't even been a Christian for a year. And he comes to me and he says, "Tim, I want you to do next Wednesday night. Here's your." He even gave me like the cheat sheets and the the questions, the answers, the scripture, and all that. 
And I was like, oh, Rick, I can't do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. And so I agreed to do it. And all that week I studied, I prepped, I read scripture, I read commentary, I did everything you're supposed to do. Well, that next Wednesday night, Rick wasn't even there. He went on vacation or something, but he wasn't there. And they get done with the singing and the praying and all that, and I get up. And back then in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, you did the lesson from the floor. You you wasn't up at the pulpit. They had a little, uh, like a portable pulpit down there. And I get there and I lay all my stuff out, and I start. And it's about 20 minutes after 7. And at 7.30, I'm completely done. <laughs> and we're taking up the offering. <laughs> and I don't know what I said. I don't think anybody knows what I said. It was horrible. Uh, not that it's improved much, but it wasn't any good. And Don Thompson came up to me afterwards. He's like, man, that was great, Tim. You did such a good job. Uh, but we do things we don't want to do. We do things we don't want to do. God equips the call that's a big one for us I'm slow of speech slow of tongue I don't know what to say God's answer to him who made man's mouth every mouth ever made what God's saying is who's in charge here don't you know by now go and I will be with your mouth I will teach you what to say now in Luke chapter 21 Jesus is teaching his disciples Uh, talking with them about acknowledging Christ before men. That's exactly what we're talking about here, right? Acknowledging Christ before men. This is for us just as well as it was for his disciples. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, Jesus says this. Now when they bring you to the synagogues, the churches, and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So if that's your excuse, if your excuse is number four, I can't talk plain, my, my, my words get all jumbled, I mumble mouth, uh, I can't even speak plain. The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. If that's your excuse and my excuse, trust God, trust and obey. Excuse number five, and this one uh, is really us as well. If you haven't yet been one of the excuses that Moses tried on God, then surely you're this one. I won't go. Anybody else. Anyone else, just not me. That's who we are. God, just send anybody else to go to the jail ministry. Don't send me. Surely somebody else can do dinner church. Surely somebody else can go speak to this person. Even though you've laid them on my heart, surely you've got somebody else. I know you have somebody else to reach out to that person or that group of people. I know you have somebody else in mind, God, to do this or that ministry. They are so much better at that than I am. I know you have them in mind. They're so much better than me. Just send anybody else, please. Send someone else. When all else fails, we'll say to God, please just send somebody else. Remember, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. God's answer is verses 14 through 17. In verses 14 through 17, God is done talking. Listen to me, he says. Aaron will be your guy. You talk to him. I will give you the words. He will speak on your behalf and on my behalf. You just do what I told you and am currently telling you to do. Trust and obey. Do what I'm telling you to do. And in those uh, verses from 14 to 17 of chapter 4, God uses the word shall five different times. 
Uh, and the shall that he uses, the word that he uses here for shall, is not a maybe or a possibly. It is, this is what you are going to do. That's what he's telling Moses. You speak, it will come to pass. Do it. It will happen as I say. That's what he's saying. Get off the bench, get a helmet, and get in the game. Is what we can relate to. That's what he's telling Moses. Finally, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 18 says this. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. No matter our excuse, God not only has an answer, but the best and correct and truest answer and comforting answer to whatever our excuse is we throw at God. We are called to trust and obey. God told Moses, I am who I am. And you guys know, we know that names are a big deal to us. Names are how we associate people. It's how we track people. That's how we identify people. Names are important. When you hear the name Patrick Mahomes, uh, you think of Taylor Swift. I mean, football, right? When you hear the name Tiger Woods, you think of golf. Names have significance to us. They're important to us, right? Well, if our names and the names of people that we know or famous people uh, are important, how important is the name of God Almighty? How important is the name of God Almighty, the great I Am? The song says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation, I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. So, church, we have no excuses. Moses really didn't have a valid excuse, and we don't either. Remember, the great I am, the I am that I am stepped out of heaven and came down to earth as a man, Emmanuel, God with us. And his name is Jesus, the name above all other names. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Nor is there, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Romans chapter 10 verse 13 tells us, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Cry out to Jesus today. Cry out to Jesus today. We have no excuses. Nobody in the room has an excuse. The great I am left heaven and came to earth on our behalf. Like the old song says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. So that's our challenge, and that'll be our invitation. I know that we all have excuses. We all have reasons. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have time. I'm too busy. Somebody else can do it. They're better at that than I am. I can't talk plain. But the great I am always has an answer for us. And not just an answer, but the correct answer and the right answer. He will equip you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And everybody in this room who is a believer has a calling on their life. God is calling you to do something. 
whatever it is, he's not calling your neighbor. He's calling you. You do this. I will be with you. I will put the words in your mouth. I will teach you what to say. We don't have an excuse. If you're in this room and you're not a believer, the great I am stepped out of heaven and came to earth and died on your behalf because of your rebellion against him. We don't have an excuse. Today is the day of salvation is what scripture says. The favorable day of salvation. Don't leave here without being one of these children that he's going to call to do something else. Don't leave here without saying yes to the free gift that he's offering you of salvation. The great I am is speaking to you today. Let's stand.